This is Jack Donovan, author of The Way of Men, and you are listening to Start the World. Uh, my guest today is John Sonmez from Bulldog Mindset. John, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Tell everybody about a little bit about because obviously we've met in person and we both spoke at the 21 convention and uh, I thought you're a really cool dude and I listened to you speak there and whatever but a lot of people who are listening to this podcast might not know what your background is or what bulldog mindset is so uh, why don't you get us up to speed. Sure. Yeah. So I'll start off with what bulldog mindset is. So bulldog mindset is basically the opposite of the victim mindset. Right. So, you know, today in society, I think a lot of men are adopting this victim mindset of blaming other people, blaming, blaming circumstances. And so victim mind or bulldog mindset is all about taking personal responsibility. It's about, you know, attacking your goals in life and just, you know, making yourself being responsible for, for your life and your circumstances. And so that, that sort of came about you know, from my background, I started off in a completely different path. I was a software developer. I was this nerdy, shy, very socially awkward guy, horrible with women, horrible with social situations and lazy, you know, and what ended up happening is, you know, throughout my life, I had a, a series of different transformations that happened from fitness wise to become phys physically fit. But, but most of the transformations happened mentally, right? I started reading, uh, what really influenced me a lot was uh, reading Stoic philosophy, especially Seneca's letters to Lucilius, my favorite. And it really changed my mindset. I started to realize that the Stoics were really the, the first people saying to get rid of the victim mindset. And they were saying that, you know, basically everything that is outside of your, your yourself, you can't control. In fact, you can't even control your own body to, to a large degree, right? That's outside of your control. And so, you know, it, it was, it was writing like that. It was writing like, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl that made me realize that that all of this worrying about other people and other things and, and, and thinking that life is unfair, that none of that matters. That only thing that mattered was what I could control. And when I had that kind of sovereignty in my life, it allowed me to become a lot more successful, not just a lot more successful in, in financial terms or what other people would consider success, but in personal terms, in, in not having negative emotion to deal with, in, in really developing myself as a man. And then actually one of the big influences that, that transformed me that, that really actually influenced Bulldog Mindset was I had a period of my life where I was, I was successful, I was doing well, I, I dropped the victim mindset, but I really didn't feel like a man, I didn't really understand masculinity. So I went on this journey and searched for all the books I could find on masculinity and, and what it means to be a man and, and trying to really sort this out because I knew this was a problem for me. And I knew that a lot of the guys that, that I was mentoring and coaching and that I had known for my so, uh, software development business, that they were struggling with this problem. And I actually stumbled upon your book, The Way of Men, and, and read the other books as well. And, you know, books like Rational Male, Roll Tomasi, and you know, uh, uh, Iron John, like all those, I pretty much read every single book there was. And, and that really influenced me. And, and I started to really understand it a lot more. And, and, and that really changed things. And that, so that kind of was, was the thing that sort of 
sort of made bulldog mindset come into being because I realized that men today are really pussies that that so many men need to learn what it is to be a man and we don't have those rights of initiation we don't have that anymore so my goal with bulldog mindset is to teach men how to be men today how to you know, teach them you know in the different areas the financial the physical the uh, the uh, dating in relationship but really it, it all comes down to the mindset so so that's really what the focus of bulldog mindset is Okay, cool. And you said you uh, obviously you made a lot of changes yourself. I mean, that, that's a, actually a big leap to change from saying that you're lazy yeah. to, uh, to, to, to saying that you're to obviously you're a very successful guy. Now, there, there's a big level of work that happens in between lazy and being a very successful guy. How did, how did you how did that specific transformation happen? Yeah, that's 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 interesting. So there, there's actually so there's one point that I could really trace it back to. It, it's when I say that I, I became a finisher, right? So I remember when I was a software developer, I was working on, I, I had I'd done a lot of projects before, right? Because I, I, I tried to write a book. I tried to develop some software. I, I call it like the closet of broken dreams. It's like, you know, you've got the yellow belt in there from karate, the the, yeah, the yeah. soccer cleats, all that stuff, right? We, we all have that. And so I, I was, I never finished things. I always like started things. I learned to play guitar a little bit. And so I was, I was creating this, this Android app that was for running that would tell you your pace and, and you know, and help you to, to run. And I remember I designed it out and I had planned out everything that needed to be done. And I got to this point where I had hired this graphic designer to like design the screens for it. And when I looked at the screen she sent me back, I was like, oh, I can't implement this. There's no way. It's like, <laughs> you know, they, it was like all custom controls I would need to make for this. And I was about to give up. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to finish this no matter what. I'm just going to spend two hours every night and I'm just going to make forward progress. And even though it seems overwhelming, even though it seems like I'll, I'll never get this done, I'm, I'm tired of not getting things done. I want to get this in the app store and I'm just going to try. Even if I even if I fail, it doesn't matter. I'm going to spend two hours every night and just make a little bit of progress every night until I get it done. And I finished it. It was the first thing that I really finished in life. And it took, it took a long time. And I got in the app store and I had success with it. And that sort of shifted in my head. I started to realize that I, I, that all this time that I'd spent, it, it's kind of like building a bridge to 98% completion. It's worthless. It's only when it's 100%. And so I realized that if I was going to start something, I was going to finish it from now on. And I, I just adopted that mindset. And that really is what, you know, that's what got the laziness out of me because I didn't stop doing things just because I didn't want to do them anymore. I, I stopped doing them when I was done. And, and just that little shift that was all it took to really get rid of that laziness. Yeah, that seems to be maybe something that some guys never fix and then some guys fix like towards the end of their 20s and early 30s. It, it seems to be, because I think I had that problem too. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of guys uh, go through a period where they just, you know, you, you announce something because it's exciting and you get excited about it and you have this big idea, exactly. but then then it's boring that to get it. The, the, the part of getting it done is, is boring. You know, there's yeah. a lot of work and it just takes a long time. I mean, yeah, obviously, uh, I mean, I didn't, I don't think my first book came out until I was in my early thirties and yeah. I tried a whole bunch of other stuff and I had all kinds of projects and whatever, but, uh, uh, you know, having, having a publisher and having a book, I haven't had to finish it at that time. And now it's like, I write books and it just, it takes me two years and it's a lot of work and it's a bunch of homework and it's forever. But at the same time, 
and the excitement of the idea, I mean, I gave the speech at 21, which was half the sketch for this book. I mean, that's when I was excited about it, you know? And yeah, then, uh, exactly. You know, and then, uh, then there's just a lot of work to bring it to fruition. And uh, that, I think people don't realize that that's there. And they, they announce things too soon, too. Yeah. You know, like that, that's a problem I, I've noticed with a lot of guys. And, and it makes you look like a fool a little mm -hmm. bit after a while because you're like, I'm going to do this. And then you become not follow through guy. You're like, exactly. like, oh, remember when dude was going to go overseas to fight with the Crimeans or whatever? Like, like, <laughs> like he was going to do that that week. You know, there are certain guys who are just like that and it becomes a problem. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, I think a lot of it is, is like you said, you know, you, you announce something and then you sort of get the credit for it. People applaud you already and you haven't even yeah. done it. it. It's sort of like sometimes when I bill people for, for consulting services and maybe I get $10,000 and they send it to me in advance. And then I don't want to do the project because I already got the money. You know what I mean? And it's like, if you're, if you, you're more motivated when you haven't gotten the reward yet yes. and and then, and then also like, I think one of the most important skills I learned in life is to the ability to work without motivation, right? Because it's just like you said, I, I wrote a couple of books as well. And I remember my first book, I was so excited to write it. I got done with two chapters and I was pumped. And by the time I finished the third chapter and this book had like 70 something chapters, I was done. I didn't want to write anymore, you know, but I just forced myself to, to drag myself through the rest of it to get it done because a book that only has three chapters is, is worthless. It's just a waste of time. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, was it, some, I think Somerset Moss, uh, or, or I, I can't remember the quote, but there's a quote from a famous writer and he, and he says, you know, they asked him, do you like writing? And he said, I, I like having written. And that's how I feel about it a lot of times. <laughs> I, I agree a hundred percent. I feel exactly yeah. the same way. Uh, you know, it's, it's good to have the finished product, but you don't get the finished product unless you do all that work and, and go through the whole thing. Uh, that's actually, uh, I might even call it, uh, this episode, uh, becoming a finisher. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause it is, that is the, the big leap between people who get stuff done and people who have good ideas because everybody has good ideas. You know, it's, it's really easy to come up with good ideas, but, uh, unless you really do the work, you know, you're not going to get there. Yeah, so and it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things about that is that like every, you're always going to face some difficulty and a lot of people call it burnout. They're like, oh, I can't do this anymore because I'm burned out. And I hate the word because it's really just, you're hitting the point, that wall. And in order to become great, you have to pass through that wall where you're working without motivation, where you feel like crap and you don't want to do it. And it's like, you know, you look at so, like an Olympic athlete, they don't want to get up and go and practice every day but they do. And that's what makes them great. And that's, I think that's such a, like so many people have it wrong. They think that once they lose the passion for something or the motivation, that, that, that it's not their thing. And the answer is, is that you have to push through and, and then you, you get there, you get so many rewards because there's so few people that are willing to push through. And that's, you know, that it's, it's a shame that so many, so many guys, don't don't get that because there it, there's a, another book called like five feet from gold and it's this idea of like this this guy had a story of this guy that had dug this mine and he was mining for gold and he spent all this money and equipment and he gave up and then later on someone else bought the mine and they had gone down the the shaft that he had had dug and he was literally five feet from this huge gold vein because he quit you know, just early, just five feet more and he would have, he would have had it. So I always kind of think of that is that, you know, especially in terms of finishing is that at least I'm just going to finish it. And then whatever happens is, is, is not up to me, but what I can determine is, is whether or not I, I follow through. So. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, speaking, uh, you mentioned running and you were doing a running app. I know that was a big thing for you recently. Like uh, you were doing, a, you're a giant, if people can't tell because everybody's the same size on TV, but uh, you know, John's a big dude. And he, he uh, you were doing, trying to run an ultra marathon. So you're definitely running marathons, which is a yeah. lot anyway. My sister does that. I, I, I like to run a mile. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you have a fast mile time though i was it's watching like, yeah your, like yeah, uh, but then, then i want to go home <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah you know yeah. but uh, uh but but it, it's meditative I mean, anything you do like endurance wise becomes meditative in, in a way but uh, uh you recently stopped that but what were you getting out of running and why did you stop yeah it's, it's interesting so yeah so i started i mean running has always been a, a strange thing for me i've always hated running and there was one at one point i was running three times a week, just 5k. So about 3.1 miles. Right. And I hated it. I never got better. It never got easier. And I, at one point I said, you know, John, if you hate running so much, you need to do more of it. So I doubled my mileage. And so I started running six mile runs. And then I, when I was, I was like, well, I should just run a 10 mile run. So I ran a 10 mile run. And at that point I was like, well, I'm close to running a half marathon because that's 13.1 miles. And so I just kept on doing more of it because I hated it so much because I, you know, people say like, you should do one thing you fear every day, but I kind of have this philosophy of you should do one thing you hate every day. It keeps you hard. It keeps you strong. It, it, it reminds you that life is not easy and it's not supposed to be easy. And so that's where running came from. A lot of people ask me all times, like, you must really love running. And I'm like, no, I hate running. That's why I do it. And so, and not to say that, you know, after I started running more distances, I started to develop a love for, for it, like from the hate. It's almost like you've put so much into it that, and, and again, I think that's part of the whole thing of like finishing and, and people get confused with passion. There's a really good book that Cal Newport wrote called uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And it, and it talks about this, this idea of, of, the, of like you put in the work and that's, that's where you developed a love, not just the passion. And so I started to like running at that point sometimes right even though i i hated it also at, at other times and you know i ran some marathons and and i thought that was impossible because i'm 240 pounds i'm 6'3 you know most guys my size do not run long distance it's oh. it's it's pretty unheard of yeah but you know i had i kept on setting goals i set a goal to run an under four hour marathon and i hit like a three hour and 45 uh, and then last year i was deciding in 2020, I was either going to quit running completely, or I was going to run 100 miles. And so I decided to go for the 100 miles because I, I figured, okay, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out with the bang. And and so I started training. I hired an ultra marathon coach, and you know he was kind of like, yeah, I don't know anyone over 200 pounds that's that's run ultras, you know, regularly. But I was like, well, he's like, but I think I can train you for it. So I, yeah. I started training, and it was it was. It was really ridiculous training. At, at one point, I was burning six to seven thousand calories a day on average, and in uh, running, you know, up to eighty mile weeks. And so I ended up running a fifty mile race, which got canceled. So I ran it solo, just around around the bay where I live, and, and that took me about eight and a half hours. And then I've been I've been training for this hundred mile race. I went up to Flagstaff, trained up in the in the hills there, and then they canceled the race. So. I long story short, I I kept training. I was going to run that one solo, and then I got sick, uh, pretty sick with like 104 fever for a few days, and it it knocked me out to the point where I couldn't even recover. Even weeks later, I tried running. I was doing 20, 30 mile runs, and I was just 
my fitness was so crushed by that sickness that I couldn't recover. So finally, at the end of last year, I, I gave it up. And, uh, but I did get the 50 mile, you know, and I got what I, what I came for out of it, which was, you know, really when you do something like that, it's not the actual race, it's all the training. It's waking up in the morning, knowing you have to run a 30 mile run and going and doing that. And that's the the thing that I, you know, running for me was something that I did in order to make myself stronger because I, I try to set goals about who I want to become, not what I want to get. And for running, like doing that training for the hundred mile race, it was, it was about who I would become in the process of doing that. that that's a really good way to look at it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think that is any kind of goal really is, is one of the things that really helps you train. And when you don't have a goal, uh, any kind of training becomes really difficult because why? You, you, yeah. There's no why. There's no telos. There's nothing at the end there. I mean, I, I mean, I, I took a few months. I wouldn't say off. I never stopped working out. I never, that's not a thing that I do. I mean, like people have to make themselves work out. I, I have to make myself do other work. It's boring. Right. You know, yeah. I like going to the gym. That's fun. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, but you know, I was moving and whatever, and I gained about like 15 pounds, like over maybe four months. And, um, and, but you know, it's like, until there's a reason, you know, like it, it and then once I get locked in, then I'm good. Now I yeah. get up every morning and I'm at six o'clock and I'm doing like 500 calories of cardio. And then like, you know, doing my lift, lifting and whatever, and then doing jujitsu and all this other stuff that goes into it. And my diet's all dialed in, but then unless you can find out your why, and uh, where you're trying to get to, it's really, really uh, difficult to, to make all those sacrifices because, yeah. you know, like you, there needs to be some kind of end goal. Um, but, but no, that's a really different, uh, interesting idea. And, and those things do all change you. I mean, that's, people always ask me, what's the first thing you should do with, uh, uh, you know, because people don't really, I, like I, I hang out with dudes who are like operators and dudes who are like nerds. And like, and I mean, sometimes operators are nerds, but like they're uh, basically guys who've never done anything. And the guys who are at zero with masculinity or whatever, uh, people always ask me what to do. And I'm always like, well, a martial arts kind of like the way to go just in the terms of, you know, someone else will make you uncomfortable. You don't have to make yourself uncomfortable. Like that, it, yeah. it's, that's part of the process, you know, that's, and then it does, but all those things do change you. I remember I, I went to, uh, when I, I remember going to my first boxing class. It was like after I wrote The Way of Men. I was like, I guess I'm going to go do this. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm like 38 years old walking to a boxing class for the first time. And it's, it's scary and weird and like, you know, uncomfortable. And, uh, and then you get to a point where you're just a different human being. Yeah, exactly. Like after yeah. a few years of doing that kind of stuff, you were like, well, you see things differently and you see, uh, you see how other people act and they walk differently and you, and you, you have a different perception about what you can do. Cause I think that, that that's something that stops a lot of guys is that they have, they have a narrative about who they can be. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, I mean, it's not like we don't have limits cause we all do have some kind of limits and, and sometimes you can go a little too far outside of your own wheelhouse to the point where I'm like, why are you doing that? You're good at this thing. Why are you doing that thing that much? You know? Um, you know, don't try to be, I don't know, don't try to be a world-class boxer when you're, uh, you know, 45 years old and great at finance, you know, <laughs> like right. they're, they're, that's not really, you know, that's, it, there are certain limitations, but at, especially for young guys, I think they have a, a lot of limitations built into their narrative that they're like, uh, well, I can't be this. Like, I can't be the guy who does that. 
And uh, a guy who comes over and uh, rolls, I actually have uh, mats. This is a, my new office, so I have mats behind this wall here. So yeah. I have like a 10 by 20. And so we, we roll over here uh, on Sundays sometimes. And uh, a guy who comes in, he's like 25 years old. And I think he went through a rough time. Uh, you know, when he was younger, he just didn't really think anything of himself or think he could be anything. And now he's like trying to get a special forces contract because he's like, why could I not be that guy? Of course I can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, different, totally different mindset. And that's where you have to be, I think, for a lot of things. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just mentally going through some of the stuff that you've uh, said over the, uh, you know, I watch your stories every once in a while and so often. And, and uh, I, I, one thing that I remember you said is that people lie to you, mm. like when you're coaching them. And that, that, that cracked me up. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's funny. I mean, pretty much every there, there's a formula actually, which, which guys do it. It's, it's sort of, it's human nature, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. I think we all do this to some degree and we have to train ourselves out of it, but you know, I'll, I'll get on a call with a guy or he'll just email me and, and it'll be this pattern. It'll be, you know, some uh, insecurity. They'll first reveal what their problem is and then they'll tell me why they don't actually have the problem or it's not their fault. So for example, I had a guy that was like, Oh, one guy that was like, I, I have a problem with, uh, with asserting myself and being aggressive. How can I become a more aggressive, like assertive man? And then he, and then in that same email, he told me about one time where he had a metal baton and he beat five guys badly with this metal baton. And I was like, I, I just emailed him back. I did a video response and I was like, I'm going to call bullshit on the beating guys with a metal baton. That never happened. I, I, and I was like, don't try to lie to me. I, I know that didn't happen. That's, you know, this is, and I told him about the common lie pattern and he replies back. He's like, yeah, he's like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I get it all the time, especially with guys on dating advice. Cause they'll always tell me, Oh, you know, I, I just, I just, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I don't know if girls find me attractive, all this. And then they're, and then in the same email or whatever, they'll say, oh, but all my mother's friends, they, girls always like look at me and tell me how, how, uh, how handsome I am. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably not happening. You know, it's like, you're just, it, but it's a compensation mechanism. But, you know, we, we all tend to kind of lie to, to protect our egos, but I, but I always have to take whatever some guy tells me is his problem and it's the it's usually the opposite so i uh, had another guy that was telling me about how he was oh he wanted to know about how he could stop being uh, so uh so cold and disconnected and uh and, and be more more compassionate as as a human being and he his problem was that he was too much of a nice guy right you know he, he, he right. said that he claimed that people said that he was he was too harsh and, and aloof and you know in this too too much of a masculine guy and he wanted to be he wanted to know if he could be compassionate and I forget the words that he used but right. you know it was pretty clear to me that it was the, actually the opposite that that he was trying to trying to present one way so it's real funny because you know coaching guys I have to look at them and and you know the problem they present is always the opposite problem they're always covering the real thing because they, they, they don't want to appear weak they, they're afraid that their ego is going to get damaged and so it's, it's just a comical thing because almost every time that and, and I think a lot of times what what happens and this is why I, I'm not a big fan of, of therapy like traditional therapy a lot of times is that someone will take what they're saying at face value and that's not right. it's not helpful to them you know you have to really dig deep and push back and you know i tell guys all the time when i'm coaching them, i'm like look it, i i bill on month to month so you can fire me as a coach but i you're not going to stop me from telling you the truth because I, I i don't care like i like if i'm if you're going to hire me to to work with you i'm going to 
I'm going to do the job. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the job. I'm not going to tell you the things that you want to hear so that you'll continue to pay. I, I'm going to tell you what, what's the truth or what I think is the truth. And that's why that's the value that I provide to you. Otherwise it's not worth it. So. Yeah. I mean, that's so uh, interesting to say that about, uh, about therapy. Um, I mean, I've, I've never, I actually think I went to a therapist once because I was really mad and I wanted to tell my friends that I went to a therapist because they were thinking I was crazy. So, yeah. so I went for one time just to be like, see, he said I wasn't crazy. We're fine. Uh, but, uh, but it's interesting. Have you, do you think coaching is becoming kind of the new therapy or, or that it's just better for men? Because uh, that's a very female dominated industry, yeah. uh, psychology generally. I've met a couple actual psychologists. I mean, there's, there's that one guy who's, there's two guys who've spoken at 21 convention who are both actual like working psychologists and they're, they're on our team. And uh, I've met one other good dudes who has like Nietzsche's cane in his office and he's in, uh, his website is like strength is the answer. And, uh, and he, he's a professional, but uh, most of those professionals are not in that realm. Do you think coaching is maybe the, the version of therapy that is more friendly to what men need? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think that, I mean, it's it, it's funny i just took just now before we got on this i, I took the n-gram test okay uh, yeah. personality test and i i hate personality tests because yeah. i think they're bs because they put people in boxes and so you know you have this dsm handbook which i know i know that a lot of smart people created some of these things and have, but sure. the, the problem with with a lot of like modern psychology and therapy is that it puts it's like okay let me identify all the problems so i can put a label on this person and call them borderline personality disorder or depressive or manic depressive or you know or what, whatever a bipolar and, and right. as soon as someone and then they have a condition and then they can be victims Exactly. That's, that's, exactly. That, that's what happens. And, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And identity is the most powerful concept that exists, I think, in this world. Like I like your identity yeah. defines more of your life than any other thing. Like if you believe something, you know, uh, back you know, uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz, right? Psycho-Cybernetics, classic book. He, he was kind of the person who really discovered this. He, he said that your, you know, your self-image determines who you are and you can't escape it. And it's very true because there's this identity. And so the reason why I don't like a lot of that is because you give people an identity, you, you tell them that they're ADHD, you tell them they're on the autistic spectrum, you tell them that they're depressed. And, and some of those things might even be true, but you tell them that, and then they form that identity and then they can't escape it. And so what I try to, in fact, it's funny, the very first thing I say with a lot of my coaching calls for men, whatever the problem, I say, there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with you. This is totally yeah. normal. Like this, you're just struggling with, with things that guys deal with in life because most of the things, you know, even like social anxiety, so many guys are like, oh, I, I don't know, understand why I'm so afraid to go and talk to a girl that I want to talk to. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you. That's to total normal, perfect, normal behavior to be afraid. It's just that guys that aren't afraid are guys that have overcome this. Right? Same thing, like you said, with, with going to boxing class, it's normal to be afraid to be punch in the face yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah after you've been hit in the face enough times you start to realize that ah, it's not that bad like right you know what i mean but until you've been hit in the face it's like the you do anything to not get punched in the face you know what i mean and yeah, so, so you're you know people are a coward you know, guys are cowards by normal but that's normal and then you have to learn how to become courageous and so yeah so that that's kind of the thing and, and i think again like i said like you're saying about about the coaching i feel like that works better for men or men's groups you know uh, to, to be around other men, you know, and, and I think also part of it too, is just that 
you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to guys, what they, what they do is they, they have it backwards, right? And I think so much of society today, they encourage men to be weak and vulnerable in front of their girlfriend, their wife, you know, in front of women. And when they do that, you know, women despise weak men, right? Everyone kind yeah. of despises a weak man. But instead, if they're gonna, you know, be, you know, I know you don't like the word vulnerable, but, <laughs> but like, if <laughs> Go they're ahead. gonna be like at all vulnerable or, or show any kind of weakness or right. let's say indec- indecisiveness or, or, you know, some kind of frailty, it should be in a group of, of, of men that they can count on that, you know, that lift them up, that that's the place where that, that real healing, you know, takes place. And, and that, and then they can come back to the world and be the strong man that they need to be. And so that's why I, I, I tend to think that the coaching and the, the group, you know, uh, groups for men is way more important than the therapy because, you know, just revealing all your, all your shit to some therapist, you know, lady that's, <laughs> as you lay on a couch, eh, I don't know, is, is that really going to benefit you as opposed to, you, you have to be strong, you know, and, and so much of it's backwards all the time. I talk to, to, to women and they're like, oh yeah, toxic masculinity, you know, men are, are boys are told from a young age to not cry or show emotions and, and they have it so backwards. It's like, yeah, no, as a man, you should be tough and be strong. It, it's a, it's a matter of dealing with your emotions and you're not taught that. And so I don't yeah. know, there's a lot of all of this that's kind of just packaged into this whole thing that's kind of modern psychology that is generally accepted, which which is not the right path for becoming a strong man, in my opinion. So, yeah, no, me neither. It's 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 really garbagey. Yeah, like uh, because that's the narrative, and and also women don't understand that just because men don't tell their feelings to you doesn't mean that they don't have them or that they're closed down. It means that it, they're being strategic a lot of the times, like. Well, he's, he knows that you're going to use that against him. So he's not telling him you're, <laughs> like that you don't just reveal yourself to anyone. Um, like here are all the struggles that I'm dealing with right now because you haven't earned that trust. Exactly. You know, and, and women, for, for better or worse, they, there's a lot of things that they don't, they will throw some shit back at you when it's convenient. Yeah. yeah. You know, and dudes know that about them. So they're not going to tell them like everything like that. And, and like you said, they don't necessarily want to know that you're, feeling weak they want to be led yep and so they don't want to know that you have the decision but you still have to have that and yeah you have to have guys to say that one of the things that with group therapy that's problematic um i mean there's men's groups which we know a lot of them like uh i was just talking to zach small and he has he has a fraternity of excellence or whatever and he has a big men's group whatever things like that where the guys know each other and they've been interacting for a long time and they've built that trust yeah those things are those things are gold yeah um but uh, dudes, a bunch of strangers getting together and sharing their feelings is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's wrong. I and mean, that's not how men operate. And if they do operate that way, that's the problem. You know, right. like that's, you know, they need to fix that. But uh, I, I've been, in, even when I have like uh, events out at uh, my land in, in Washington, um, it's just always interesting to me. There's something that we do called Sumble, which uh, it's kind of a, English Germanic thing that uh, people have been doing for a long time. It's just kind of something that I've, it was useful. So I held on to it. And uh, basically it's something that you know, after main ritual thing and after I'm done talking, basically, then there's everybody goes around a circle and says something that they think is important. And to me, I don't care about that personally because I've already talked, you know, like that I've already yeah. done my thing, but uh, it's so interesting to me. It almost never fails that all of a sudden you give guys that opportunity and uh, it's their turn and 
they take it really, really seriously. And they mm -hmm. have some things they want to talk about. Yeah. You know, like, that's, that's what's funny when women say that the men are, men are all closed down. And like the same guys that they say that about, sometimes you can't get those guys to stop talking. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. like, you know, I, I've worked with some guys that are just like, that guy never shuts up. <laughs> you know, like he has all kinds of things to say. Uh, it's just, you know, like they're just careful, I think, about with what they say to people. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it's smart to be. I mean, that's like, you know, again, looking at Stoic philosophy, people don't understand mm -hmm. Stoic philosophy because they think it means to to be indifferent to pain or pleasure, to not have any kind right. of emotion. But it's really just the mastery of emotion. Right. And that's it's the ability, ability to process the emotions and not allow emotion to dictate your action. You feel strongly, but your actions are determined by your logic and and, and what is the right course of action. And that's and that's I mean a man that is ruled by emotion, who can trust him? I mean, you wouldn't want to follow that guy into battle knowing right. that his anger is going to tip him off and maybe he's going to make the wrong strategic decision or fear or envy or whatever it is, is going to, you're not going to trust that guy with your life. You're going to trust the guy with your life who is stable, who is not emotionless, but makes their decisions based on, on logic and reason, as opposed to emotional you know it, it's a feminine trait to be to be dictated you know to have your actions dictated by your emotion more so which is not necessarily a bad thing but it's a bad thing for a, a man in, in my opinion absolutely so, yeah. absolutely and you know like along the same lines of what we've been talking about uh, i had a dude dm me the other day and say that say that he was diagnosed with like combative something some made-up psychological bullshit yeah. for like for saying that he got mad one time <laughs> like you know, yeah. basically like that he, he, get, he gets really mad and he can't control it like uh -huh. and uh which is normal you know right. like as you said that's that's normal that's something that and like it sounds like you need whatever that disorder is is is, is bullshit what you actually have is needs to learn how to control emotion better <laughs> exactly. yeah <laughs> you know and that's why it's like uh, in the book you haven't you haven't read it yet, but they, it just uh, uh, the new book that I have come out in, and I was just talking about this with Zach was uh, uh, the uh, George Washington. It, it, it's such a timely figure, and that was his whole thing. Mm. Uh, basically, like you know, he was kind of lower middle. He was like lower upper class, I guess, is what he came into, and so he was never really up with the high people, and so he had to like rise in society. Uh, and, and also rise in, as a warrior and whatever before, you know, in the English army before it became the American thing and whatever. And so early on, one of the things that he really gravitated towards and, and uh, his biography is this the whole way through, this is his theme in his whole life, is mm -hmm. that he's a really, really passionate dude. Yeah. Who learned to shut his mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. He learned to shut his mouth until it was time. Mm -hmm. And then just run it, just didn't just run his mouth and say anything he wanted to. He was like, let me be careful and think about all the options and all the, like try and figure out all the contingencies and whatever. And now I'm going to say something, you know, like they, you know, people would be looking for a response for him and it'd take him forever and it made everybody mad, but it was because he, he wanted to make sure he was saying the right thing at the right time and not just like running his mouth. And exactly. I think that we're, we're very conditioned, especially, uh, you know, Facebook and that whole kind of world. Uh, a lot of people were raised in an environment that like, I have a feeling dot, 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 dot. And they start typing like the second they have a feeling. And because that's what the status updates were when they were, it's like, I have a feeling right now. Yeah. And that's that now I'm going to announce it to the world. I had a feeling. 
And uh, yeah, that's that's something we have to train ourselves out of because it's such a big part of society is to be like, I had a feeling, well, you know, uh, one of the, an article I read years ago, you know, was talking about, I think, you know, like Navy SEALs or operators of some kind or whatever. And they're like, uh, to, you aren't every thought that you have. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I kind of look at life as, as like a chess, a game of chess. And I try to, you know, I, I kind of borrow it from, from Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power. You know, the, I think in the beginning, he talks about the game of power and, and he talks about how you should be dispassionate about it. And that's how, how I view things. And, and it, it's funny because even, you know, in the space that we occupy, I, I hate to use the word manosphere, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of emotional guys in there. They're, they're angry. They're upset about society. They're yeah. angry about women. And they get so upset when I tell them that, that that is that anger in the, is is weakness because they're showing this anger because they're letting it control them and influence them and and that you know whatever happens it doesn't matter what happens it's like you know reality is reality I, I i try to just accept reality so i try to look at it as a game of chess and i try to look at it and say okay well all right so this person made this move all right what's my what's my most strategic move at this point instead of reacting it's a response so it's like okay i evaluate the situation i can't control reality i might as well accept it you know a morfate love of fate like this is what it is and then okay so how do i respond that gives me that gives me the most chance of achieving what i want out of this interaction out of out of life and it's like so many guys get caught up in the emotional aspect of it. This is not fair. This is, you know, this isn't right. You know, uh, and, and, and those things are, you know, kind of built in within us, I, I think, to sure. feel those things, to feel injustice. But then it, it's like training yourself to stop and say, okay, all right, I feel this way, but that's, that doesn't matter. What I feel doesn't actually matter at all. What only matters is what is the position of the board right now? Okay, where is my pieces? Where is, where is their, their pieces? And what is the best thing that I can do at this moment, regardless of the emotion? Because once you mix the emotion into their you're going to make bad choices. You're, you're going to, you're not going to make the right choices. And, and it's also, and everything is impersonal. It doesn't matter. Like people are, you know, the opponent playing the game against you, whatever they are doing, even if they personally attack you, they're doing, they're running their own script. They're running their program, just like a computer program. And you, you can't hold them accountable for it in the sense that like, it's not malicious. Like it may be intended to be malicious, but you have to view it dispassionately as, okay, this is just the move that they made. And now how can I respond in order to get the optimal result that I'm looking for? And that, that's kind of how I look at it. And yeah, I, I just do not understand the argument that that counters that where, where guys are like, no, no, you, you have to be angry about this or, you know, you, it, let your passions drive you. It, it doesn't make any sense to me at all because you're never going to get the optimal result when you, when you have that mindset. Yeah. You know, someone, uh, actually a reader of mine, uh, recently, uh, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding. Uh, you know, I talk a lot about in the more complete beast about resentment, mm. which is, you know, like it's kind of a jealous anger that, that blames everyone for something, you know, and, and uh, everything is injustice. Every, you're always a victim. And, and it's, it's a seething anger that, uh, you know, makes everyone a bad guy. You know, so that so that you can be the good guy, but they're they're really going to get their just rewards someday. You know, like uh, Nietzsche obviously compared it to to heaven and, and hell and whatever. Like all these people are going to go to hell, and that's why people needed that idea. You know, ah, these okay, people yeah. who who they are oppressing me, they're all going to go to hell. Uh, but uh, and that's you know makes you feel better if you're powerless and you know can't have your come up in any other way. Uh, 
but uh, I there's also the difference. Someone tried to compare and contrast. He's like, aren't aren't thumos and resentment the same thing? Because uh, thumos is more like righteous is is like a righteous anger, mm. and I do think you know, like you say, like guys say, like you should be bad about this, whatever. Thumos is a good emotion. Like if 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 you think there's a wrong in the world and you want to right it, yes, <laughs> yeah, like that's where heroism comes from. You know right, that right. that is that is a good emotion. But obviously, as you're saying, you have to a you can't just uh, luxuriate in it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just. And that's what you see so much online. Like, I'm just going to say, I hate this. I'm mad at this. I hate this. I'm mad at this. I hate this. I'm mad at this. And that's, that's the cycle that you're talking about, that that's all they're doing is, is reveling in that emotion and just kind of bathing in anger. Yeah. And, and I think the difference between a, a resentment and thumos in, in many ways is, is the will or the desire to take action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because if you're just talking, if you're just running your mouth, like, I mean, that's, and we see so much of that, like, I'm going to post a meme that I'm angry. I'm going to post a thing that I'm angry. You know, like, it, it, we, we see this all day. And I, you know, I want to do it too. We all do it, like, to a certain extent. Like, you know, I'm angry today. Weird shit's happening in the world. Like, what, you know, like, uh, but we see it out there and, and there's some use to communicating there's something wrong. But if it's, uh, if it's not followed by action or some plan, then it's wickedness and it's then it's resentment then you're just like i'm being oppressed and i'm angry and i'm about to say it hurts my feelings and you're not doing anything and i think if you if you're like hey i feel this emotion and it's justified i'm justifiably angry but then when you take that anger and then take a step to okay what is the next step as you said where are the pieces on the board and what's the next thing i have to do not just i'm angry full stop exactly i think that that's what people get stuck at is i'm angry full stop and uh, yeah, you have to implement some plan of action. Like, what are you going to do? Even if it doesn't work, <laughs> you know, like you have to do, be doing something about it instead of, instead of just being mad. You know, yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I would say that, you know, just in general, emotions are, are signals, right? Just mm-hmm. you know, to tell us something, to spur us to some kind of action. But then that action needs to be uh, separated from that emotion once you take the action. So that is logical, yeah. right? So you might have, uh, you know, anger about something because you perceive that something is wrong. Now, I will, I will say also, though, that a lot of like, what I have found is that anger is always a result of an unmet expectation. Oh, and totally. If you eliminate expectations on life, on mm-hmm. people, on the world, uh, not standards. You should have standards, but standards are, in my opinion, standards are what you have for yourself, but expectations are what you have on other people and other things. And so I have high standards in my life, but I don't have any expectations. I don't right. expect anyone to behave anyway. I don't expect the weather to be what I want it to be. It's just as ridiculous to expect someone to behave a way as that I want as is for the weather to behave how I want it to. And so by dropping all those expectations, I find there's very few instances where I get angry and so the very small instances that are left that, that do cause some degree of anger, I recognize it. I say, okay, well, what needs to be done? And then I let go of the anger and then take the, the action. The, the best example I, I ever found of this was, uh, I don't know if you saw the Marvel movies, but Thanos. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and the people always say, oh, well, in the comic books he was doing, it, it's fine. But in the movie, the Thanos character. Sure. He's like, I mean, he's doing all these things and the whole time he's not angry. He's not showing any kind of emotion. He's just like doing it because it needs to be done in his, I mean, and he's slaughtering people. He's, you know, he's slaughtering 
half of the universe or whatever it is. And, but he's doing it dispassionately because even when he has to like kill his daughter, it's like, yeah, he doesn't, he's obviously doesn't want to do this thing, but he's not doing any of this out of revenge or rage or, or any of those things. He's just like executing the plan because that's the plan, even though he's, he's obviously got those emotions within him, but, but he, you can't detect it because he's, he's just staying calm and level-headed. So that's what I think of as like, I felt like that, that movie was a really good picture of masculinity uh, of mm -hmm. the Thanos character of just, just do what needs to be done. And, you know, and that's kind of what, what I, where I point to guys when, you know, again, like I said, or like you were saying, you know, the anger, yeah, it, it comes like every emotion that we have, we can't be Spock. <laughs> we can't just be like right. completely emotionless and like completely not responding to emotion at all. But at the same time, it's like too many guys are so far the other way that I find the better message to tell them, okay, forget about these things. Like you do not allow emotion to control your actions. You know, even though it's going to spur some things like I think they did a psychological experiment too, where they had uh, they had different they had someone who had damaged the part of their brain that mm -hmm. that allowed them to feel emotion and they couldn't make decisions because what they found was that the cognitive part of the brain that makes decisions, you actually need emotion in order to uh, to make that decision. Otherwise, you'll just never be able to make a decision. So so you like to, to say that we could just completely act without emotion it's an extreme i, I tend to yeah. say stuff like that even though it's an extreme because it's more correct than where we are but sure. but the reality of the situation is in order to be functioning human beings we have to have emotions and they do have to influence our actions or our decisions to a degree but the smaller the degree possible to, to me that's the the stronger of the the person that you will be yeah, when Plato talked about it, I mean, we talked about Thumos. One of the ways he talked about it was it needs to be, it's one of two horses. Like there's Thumos and there's Appetite. And they, they both drive us and they're things that, you know, may, it, we're, it, we can be angry and we can be hungry and we can want things and whatever. But both those things can get super out of control unless they're guided by reason. Yeah, exactly. Basically, they're, they're, he has them as horses and the charioteer has to be uh, reason. Are we losing a connection here? Uh, oh, it seems to come back. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I think you came good, back. Good, good. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. But yeah, it has to be guided by reason. I think that's the the difference between really unproductive stuff. And it, something else that you said was really interesting. It, it reminded me of experiences that I had. Um, I mean, I used to hang out with a lot of people who called themselves Satanists, right? Many mm -hmm. years ago. And um, and they all thought it was so cool to call themselves mythanthropes. Like, wow. I hate people. People are, yeah. people are terrible. I hate people. And uh, I always thought it was really poserish and annoying, you know, like, like you're just saying you hate people. What, what do you, what, A, then people should hate you, right. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> like, cause you hate people. You're like a species trader, you know, but uh, you hate all people. Okay, great. But what it really was is that they were idealists mm -hmm. and they hated people because people weren't how they wanted them to be. Yes. Like you yeah. said, the expectations uh, that people hold is that they, People have an idea of like, this is how everyone should behave because I think this is how they should behave. And they didn't, no one else got that memo. <laughs> like the, 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 whatever invented, and, and a lot of guys get really, really idiosyncratic about that. Like they have construct an entire worldview of this is how everyone's supposed to behave. And then they can get mad at all the reasons why they aren't, uh, why people aren't behaving that way. And I'm like, that person wasn't raised by the same person. They don't haven't read the same books that you have. They don't. They have all kinds of different backgrounds and so forth. There's no reason to not, you know, to you know, 
I talk to a lot of people who get angry about the news. I mean, I, I get angry about the news that carries you maybe myself, but uh, the, uh, it, you know, there are all those articles that are like, you know, like supposed to trigger you basically mm -hmm, like exactly. you know, they're, they're supposed to be outrageous. They're outrageous headlines. They're supposed to be like, like, you know, men, men are garbage. And here's why that needs to change. You're, you know, stupid stuff yeah. that you see all the time. Right. And, and they're like, how could they say this? And I'm like, there's so many guys that are like, I cannot believe that someone would say this. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, why? I mean, why would you not believe that some girl who went to school for feminism and finally got a job writing feminism is writing feminism? Like that, that's her job. <laughs> you know, like she's, of course she's going to do that. And yeah. so, you know, I think people just need a reframe on that a lot. Like you said, like you said, they don't have expectations about how other people are going to behave or what they're going to do. Yeah, the more you drop expectations, the better your life becomes, because then it doesn't, you know, one of the philosophy I live my life by is, is this idea that don't think about anything you're not going to take action on, because it's just a waste. It's a waste of time. Don't even look at it. Like, you know what I mean? It's, you know, <laughs> I, I, I first sort of developed this philosophy when I was on a strict diet, because I was walking by a Burger King, and I was like, looking at the burger, you know, on the on the wall, and I was like, wait a minute, why am I looking at this? I'm not, am I, am I, it's like, John, either go in there and buy a burger, or don't look at it because there's if you're not gonna take action on it, there's no point. There's no point in occupying any kind of your time with something that you're not gonna take action on. And so that's the same thing with with anything that's out of your control. The news, well, are you gonna go in and write that lady that wrote that article? Or are you gonna go, you know, you gonna go uh, belter one or what, what are you gonna do? Like you're not gonna do anything. You're gonna post on Facebook, maybe. I mean, if right. you're not gonna take action, then don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And and it's the same thing even with going on right now with 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 everything with uh, with the you know the pandemic and the crazy politics political stuff it's like I, I believe me i'm like very staunchly libertarian so this stuff really could get my goat if i let it you know i could really yeah. uh get enraged about all this stuff but to some degree i'm like okay well what am i actually gonna do am i gonna take action i mean i've got somewhat of a platform i talk about some things on my videos and maybe that makes an impact but for the most part I'm like, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I'm controlling about this. I'm just here for the ride and I'm going to try and help as many guys along the way to navigate this ride as best as possible. But I'm not going to change the president. I'm not going to change Congress. I'm not going to change, you know, uh, medical doctors that are, you know, that are, are, are making this thing much greater than it is or whatever the political right. machines are in, in place. You know, it, it may be if I develop, if I, if I just, if I'm going to do something, I'll form an army, but, but I'm not doing that. So if I'm not going to do that, then I might as well just, you know, just work on helping using this information to help guys understand their, their sovereignty or to take, you know, sovereignty in their lives. And so, yeah, so that, that's kind of how, how I look at it. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Just, you know, this, this idea of, of, of acceptance of, of, of not having expectations. It took me a while in life to develop that. But once I developed mm -hmm. that acceptance and realizing like reality is what reality is, whether I like it or not, it, it really, allowed me to have a, a large degree of peace in my life and to not experience the, the negative emotions. And it's kind of funny, you know, to just kind of circling back, uh, you know, with, with all of this, uh, because, because you, like you're saying, like the, the guys that are the misanthropes, right. That, that hate everyone. Yeah. Uh, I get all the time. It's funny when I, when I'm coaching guys, I'm, you know, I, I get, cause I, cause I, you know, a lot of my coaching is teaching guys how to, how to lift weights, get strong, you know, become a badass, develop mental toughness. And, you know, the guys want all those things, but whenever one of my coaching clients asks me, well, what's a real mission? Well, like, what, what is, what's a real like gift, like, or thing that, that men do. And, uh, and I, I think the answer usually surprise them. Cause I always say that 
that men's true gift, like that us as men, our true gift is to, um, is, is, the, is our, the love that we give to the world. And I think that's them for a loop because that's, that's the, you know, that's really what we're doing. Like when you think about self-sacrifice and you think about all the things like why, you know, what, what is our greatest gift as, as men, it's actually that. And uh, yeah. So anyway, I, so, so I, I thought that was interesting, just like the comparison between like hating the world and hating everyone. And, and I used to kind of have that perspective until I think what changed my mind was I read Dale Carnegie's book, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. And, and in that book, he talked about, he's like, look, if this person that you hate, you know, had the same experiences as, you, or you had the same experiences as this person in life, if you had their DNA, if you grew up in their family, you know, if you had the environment that they're in, you would act and think exactly the same way that, that they did. So if you're going to blame them, you, you can't really blame anyone for it, for anything, not to say that people aren't responsible for their actions, but you can't blame them because they're just a product of, of, of what they are and, and you would be the exact same and you would say the same thing and think the same thing. And so once that really clicked in my head, that allowed me to have a lot more compassion for people. I might disagree with them. You know, I, I, I might have to get into conflict with people if I, if I need to, but at the same time, I don't hate them because I know that I would be that same person if I had that exact DNA and, and their environment. And that, that was a really powerful way to, that, that shook me from that, that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, yeah, you definitely have to, I'm definitely willing to hold people responsible for things, yeah, <laughs> but hundred percent, sure. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you can't, it, yeah. You, you, there are a lot of different, uh, obviously perspectives in the world and, and you, you have to stick up for what you think is right. But I think at the end of the day, rather than focusing on the person, um, who's doing it, I think, yeah, it's like, well, what's the solution and how are you going to fix it? If you, th if you think there's a problem, how are you going to fix it? What are you going to do? And it, it doesn't have to be, you might not be the guy who does everything, but what little thing can you do? Right. You know, like, I mean, I try to do that all the time. I mean, it's like, I'm not a rich guy at all, but like, you know, I have a little extra money and what I, what I put, uh, I try to put my money where my mouth is when I can, you know, you know a certain extent, like, like, I don't know if I like Gab or not, but I'm glad there's a free, free speech platform somewhere. So, you know, I paid for the $100 for the year, yeah. whatever, because I, I, I want that to exist. Yeah. You know, like, so that's that's an action that I took. You know, it's not like I'm going to go, you know, go petition Congress, uh, but, uh, or whatever, you know, but that is an action that I, I took. And, and, and you know, I, I hate, I always say that any solution for a problem that starts with if we all just is is always wrong that's always the wrong like your answer your, whatever you're gonna say next is wrong yeah uh but uh you know obviously you know to make an impact a lot of people little people have to make steps in a particular direction oh yeah so, yeah for you sure know, it, it's your responsibility to take whatever step you can that you think is right to change something rather than just bitching about it you know like, that's why yeah yeah, yeah. Go, ahead. go ahead i was gonna say that's why you know i think uh, that action that it's 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 not like you're saying about it's not people and it's, it's not about like hating people it's it's principles like like yeah you know principles should guide our actions it, it's interesting i just got into this discussion with this this young young lady about abortion and my view i'm sorry <laughs> by the way i'm sorry that that happened to you <laughs> i'm sorry you had that experience go on <laughs> but, but my i i i outlet i told her i said look I said, this is my principles that, that, that inform my decision, right? The idea that, that 
you know, and I laid it out. I mean, this is my my general argument, which is that we don't know if life begins at where it begins, if it begins at conception, or let's say that it begins when a baby is born out of the womb. I don't I don't care. We don't know scientifically. We don't know, but in the absence of information, in all other areas in life, we have a principle that we try to preserve human life at all other at all, at all costs, right? So, for example, if someone is convicted of murder. We don't say, ah, I think he did it. We're going to give him the chair. You know, we, we you, yeah. you have to be beyond a shadow of reasonable doubt that you are a murderer and then you get the death penalty if that's the, if that's the case. But in all cases, if we, if we're not sure, we try to preserve life. We, you know, that's, that's a principle that, that we adhere to. And so based on that principle, I told her, I said, I would love to be on the other side. I have no horse in the game from a moralistic standpoint. I don't care. Yeah. But if, if we're going to talk about from a principle basis of the principle of, of, preserving human life and and not knowing the answer it's like then i would have to say that that abortion would be moralistically wrong or that we should avoid it just like we would avoid sending innocent people to the death chair because if you're right and and conception begins or, or birth or life begins you know when when a child is born out of the womb then okay then fine you you haven't murdered anyone but if you're wrong and it begins at conception, then it's a great atrocity, you know. And yeah, and yeah. so, so based on that, just from a logical perspective, that's where my argument was coming from. And I was trying to explain to her. It's like I don't have any horse in the game. If you convince me logically otherwise, I will gladly switch sides. It'd be more. I'd, be, I'd rather be on the more popular side. Believe me, it, it'd make yeah, yeah. my conversation a lot easier. So I don't have a horse in the game from an emotional perspective. Everything in my life, I I, I try to have like principles and then cascading levels of principles so this pr principle yeah. has a higher priority than this one and that's how we make decisions because i feel like if you're making decisions based on any other thing then you're, you're you don't have any true guidance and that's the only framework that i can develop to to guide my actions and, and guide my thoughts otherwise you know i, I don't want to be emotionally attached to a specific idea or course of action i want it to be based on principles that that we hold true because those are constant whereas everything else is is different and it's, again it's like am i going to do something because i hate this person or am i going to hate this person no i don't need to hate this person it's just like this principle defines what what i prescribe to as as the correct course of action and and it's it we might have differing principles or someone might not have any principles or right. or different different uh emphasis we put on like i i stack this principle above this one and maybe someone else stacks this principle uh, below it so that, that that would be the difference there but but yeah that's that's what i always come back to is just the the principles yeah i mean it's totally that i i'm, I'm right with you there on that particular one i actually don't have a horse in that game either i really don't care right. I, I, like for religious guys it's very specific right the, the reason for it and for me i'm like well there are a lot of people you know, <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of people, you know, like uh, we have a lot of them. A lot of them are poor and there's no reason to have it. But, you know, like also I can see the other. I also think, you know, like the the fact that feminism ties their thing to like killing babies is like one of the main things that you care about in the world. Which I know it's also, so weird, yeah. which is also super messed up. But I get it. Oh, I lost your audio. back yeah okay okay cool i, I clicked the button with my leg all right but uh yeah anyway, anyway but yeah it, it, again i don't have a horse in the game but it is a that's that's one of those issues that i feel like when politics didn't matter because i didn't care you know like that was the big thing that everybody that was one of those big things that people always got mad about exactly um, and yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so but uh but anyway uh we should probably wrap up here and uh but uh, can you tell me uh, where people can find all, all, all your work and what you're doing right now. 
Yeah. So uh, best thing to do is to go to bulldogmindset.com. There'll be a little pop-up dash if you want to take the bulldog quiz, which of course you do because uh, you want to know what your bulldog score is. It's a score from zero to hundred. And I just, just like 10 questions that kind of tell you about your level of mental toughness and, and where you sit. And then I'll give you some emails that will tell you how to raise that score, some of my video content and stuff like that. So that's the best way to, to kind of get into my, uh, into my circle. And uh, yeah, what I'm working on now is uh, mostly I'm focused on Bulldog Mindset membership. I do some coaching, but I have a membership where guys can join like 900 members right now. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, we've got like Facebook group, we've got, I do like exclusive videos and I rotate the content between mindset, fitness, finance, and, uh, and dating our relationship, social skills type of stuff. So, yeah, so it's a big community and, you know, it's a, it's a place where, uh, where some of the ideas that we talk about here and, you know, that, uh, that, you know, men need to, need to like understand today that you can talk freely in there and that's that's why i created that community so you could be i feel like in order to become a strong man you have to be around strong men and so that was absolutely really the goal so excellent, excellent. all right man well uh thanks for coming on the show i really appreciate yeah. it yeah thanks for having me